Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Ready? I think you're ready for a good word today. So, um, interesting enough, this series has been pretty planned out. So I was planning on talking about uh, fear and anxiety like several weeks ago. So lest you think that... Um, I, I am reacting or responding, which there wouldn't be anything wrong with that, lest you think I'm doing that today. I'm actually not. I just have an incredible sermon illustration uh, for what we'll be uh, diving into today. So if you're online, thank you for tuning in. It's weird for me to talk to cameras, but we're glad you're here, person on the other side of that. If you are here and you check in on social media or whatever, watching us, comment. Let us know you're here. And... Uh, so that's really weird. I don't like doing all that, but I guess I'm just going to have to get used to it, you know. And pastoring online people. Pastor Sean does a great job at that, by the way, interacting with people that can't be here. So if you are online today or listen to the podcast, we are glad, glad, so honored that you would tune in. So we're continuing the series today called Thieves and Robbers, and we're basically talking about things in our lives that will rob us from the life of more, the life of plenty, the life of abundance. And Jesus says this in John chapter 10, verse 7. He says, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. The reason why they haven't listened to them, because they were his sheep. He said, I am the gate, and whoever enters through me will be saved. They will be rescued. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal. Come on. He comes to steal. He comes to destroy. But I have come that you might have life and life to the full or life more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. Now, one of the kind of core messages that we talk about here at Overflow Church is we talk a lot about shepherding and we talk about sheep. It's just kind of a grid that we like to look at the Bible through. Part of the reason is because it was very core to biblical culture. So when Jesus is talking to people as his sheep, he wasn't talking about how we would throw that around now. Oh, they're just sheep. They just follow all the trends. But the reality is, is we all are like that. Now, you might be, you might consider yourself, well, I'm a black sheep. I don't do what everybody else does. I'm, I'm different than the rest of the sheep. But we are all being led. Come on, are, are you with me? And we all need to be leading as well. And Scripture really speaks a lot about leadership in the context of shepherds. So when Jesus is talking about this parable, he is talking to people referring to them as sheep. And we are sheepish if you will. We are very sheepish. And in that, we're saying that, that we are also just like sheep. Sheep are confused easy, easily. Sheep can be sheepish in the sense that they are afraid easily. And part of the reason is because they don't have anything built in their system to defend themselves well. I mean, they can, they can bot, they can be mean, they can butt their head, but really compared to a wolf or compared to a lion, they are nothing but prey, easy prey. And so when Jesus is talking to, to the sheep, he's like, listen, the thing that you do well is you know how to listen. You know how to listen well. You know how to follow well. And so Jesus is actually saying, it's a good thing that you know how to follow. Because if you can follow the right voice, you'll be in a safe place. If you can learn to follow the right voice. And I'm afraid we've really been listening to the wrong voice. The voice 
right now is the voice of fear. It's the voice that's saying that you need to be afraid. It's the voice that says that you need to make sure and buy some extra storage to store toilet paper in because there might not be anything else to wipe your butt with, right? And so there's this whole culture right now that we're experiencing is fear. But how many know the fear was there long before the issue surfaced? And so we're talking about, you know, obviously the virus, COVID-19, right? Isn't that crazy? What a, what a weird name. I mean, it seems like an 80s dystopian, you know, post-apocalyptic movie, you know, or a book, you know, COVID-19, the year it all ends. You know what I'm saying? Something like, I mean, it just, it just has that feel about when we talk about it. I, I kind of like using that word because it just, it's so weird. And, you know, we've heard enough about the virus. And what I don't want to do today and what I don't want you to do is that I want you to to become uh, the characters that are, are, are poking fun of people or saying that they don't have faith. or But what I do want to do is I, I want to encourage you to be full of faith. I want you to be full of courage, but I also want you to be full of compassion because some people are afraid of things that you're not afraid of, and you're afraid of things that they're not afraid of. So can we just express a little compassion? And I do want to talk about uh, fear today because I believe even more than the coronavirus Fear is viral. Fear is viral. And that's what we're seeing. You know, and, and this thing has been viral in every sense of the word, right? It's all over social media. I'm sick of reading about it. You're sick of reading about it. We're loving the memes. They're fun. They're great. Keep them coming, right? I mean, it finally, you know, it's the best thing that's happened to Facebook in years. So it's been great. But, you know, the media, just to kind of gripe a little bit, the media is driven by one thing. It's not information. It's driven by money, right? So if they can make you afraid or they can make you mad, then you'll click on their ads, right? And they'll get, they'll get money somewhere from their sponsors. So understand that the, 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 the media is making a lot of money off this thing. So, are the, so is the toilet paper industry. And so I think that'll probably, you know, that's kind of replacing the oil industry right now, it appears, as far as like really keeping our economy afloat. But one thing I do want to encourage you in is just be wise, be wise, but be controlled, right? Uh, you know, do all the things that, that we know to do. Keep your hands clean. We're, we're making extra efforts here at the church. We were up here yesterday. We spent several hours sanitizing and cleaning. Things that are always done, Just we're just making sure that we're upping it a little bit of a level just to alleviate some of your concerns. We're going to continue until we, we feel like that it would be dishonorable to do that. So, um, you know, if they come in and say no public gatherings, then we will most likely honor that unless it's done in a way that um, would, you know, that would be in a way that would cause us to deny our faith. So we want to honor those things. We obviously have great technology and all kinds of ways to use that. I, the, the pastors that I'm closest to, they've canceled their services. Uh, well, they didn't cancel their services. They moved them all online. I don't have a problem with that. Thank God that we're small enough to we can still meet. And I'm glad you're here. And those that aren't here, Praise God. You know, maybe they're concerned. Maybe they're legit sick. I don't know. We love them, and we want them to have courage, and we want, want God to meet them where they're at. So we just want to be compassionate. Amen? Um, because fear is contagious. Fear is contagious. It's important that we respond. Um, so I want to talk about that today. You know, there's, a, there's a, a thing that goes around, a meme that says, you know, there's, fear not is written in the Bible 365 times. One for every day. That's actually not true. It's in there about 70 times. But how many know if it was in there once, it was enough times for you to obey it? Um, now, listen, that statement 
is not just so you can have a, a cool little Hobby Lobby craft on your wall. It's not there to encourage you. It's not there to, as, a, as a good God suggestion. It's actually a command to fear not. Fear not is a command. It's not just an encouragement like God going, you know, you don't need to be afraid. Yeah, you don't need to be afraid, but it's not God winking at your eye, kind of be taking it lightly. He, this is a big deal to God, enough that he emphasizes it over and over and over and over and over again to not be afraid, to move forward in faith. How many of you know that if it's not of faith, it's sin? And so we want to make sure that we're being people of faith. Now, fear comes in many forms, right? It comes in many forms. It comes in worry. It comes in insecurity. It comes in the fear of man, the fear of failure, the fear of missing out, the fear of rejection, the fear of abandonment, the fear of man, FOMO, fear of missing out. I mean, it comes in all kinds of ways. In fact, there are over 530 documented medical uh, phobias that are actually classified as a legit phobia. Last time I checked, over 530. I'm sure that number's increased. Anywhere from getting peanut butter stuck on the roof of your mouth to being afraid of heights or closed spaces, all kinds of crazy fears. I'm sure that you have one. There's probably something that you kind of like cringe about, right? Toenails. Cringy, right? <laughs> Women should paint them and men should cover them. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's just, that's the deal. Please. Help. <laughs> Give us some grace <laughs> or me. <laughs> so anxieties. What is anxiety? I, anxiety, in most cases, I would, I would refer to anxiety as like subtle fear. Right? And, and anxiety can come. Some people have like really, for me it's not subtle, it's control. I, I would say that, that that would be an obsessive fear. That wouldn't be an anxiety. But when we talk about anxiety, and, and it's, a, it's a big deal. I think that anxiety is probably higher than it ever has been because we have so many things demanding our attention, so many push notifications, so many people, so many things to do, so much information, all this kind of stuff increases. In fact, 18% of Americans say that they suffer from an, an anxiety issue, 18%. That's like almost one in every five people. It wouldn't surprise me if it's higher than that. Some people are just too anxious to be honest. Right? I think if we're honest, we all kind of have deal with anxiety in some fashion. But we don't, listen, we as followers of Christ, we don't suffer from anxiety. And I want to remind you about this. We hit on this a couple of weeks. You might struggle with anxiety, but you don't suffer from it. You don't, listen, as a child of God, you don't suffer from anything. You might struggle with it, but you don't suffer from it because you are not a victim. You are more than a conqueror. Are you, are you tracking? So you need to be careful with the, with the words that you say. So what fuels anxiety? The first thing is pressure. Right? Pressure. Stress. Got to pay the bills. Oh, am I going to pay the bills? Got to be on time. Pressure. Second thing is perfectionism. <laughs> I don't know who I'm preaching to today, but some of you are perfectionists, right? I'm preaching to me. In case you don't know. These are actually things that I deal with. I deal with pressure, stress. i got to get that done today. And it's got to be done just right. And what happens? I lose sleep. I wake up at 2 in the morning, and I'm like, I should have done that a little bit better. I need to go. I need to make sure and send that email. Am I the only one? Am I the only anxious 
person at 2 o'clock in the morning when you wake up, your brain's like, pressure, perfectionism, people, people. People's another form of anxiety. Now, some people really have like a, like a social anxiety, right? Like, I don't want to be around large crowds of people, right? For me, personally, I don't like to go to a room where there's tons of people that I don't know. That just freaks me out. This is something that's crept up in my life. When I was younger, it was like I'd walk in a room like, hey, I don't know anybody. Hey, how you doing? Now I'm kind of like, hey, I don't know any of you people. I'm just going to go sit in the corner and be on my phone, right? Social anxiety. People. These are all things that, that I struggle with. In 2001, about 2001, might have been 2002, we used to do these ministry teams where we would have a, have a team of students, we were youth pastors, and we'd get in a van, and we'd load up the trailer with sound equipment and light equipment, and we'd go to churches, and we'd do ministry, sometimes stuff on the streets, and we would go, and, we'd, and we called it MIA, Ministry in Action. So we'd take our team, we had our human videos, y'all you know what those are, is where people act out, every one of them is like someone doing drugs, and Jesus taking the drugs for them, and then Jesus is on a cross, and he gets off the cross, so all of them were the same. And then we would have our band play, and we'd preach, and we'd do all this ministry. So we would do this every summer, MIA. And with it was this internship. So we'd be with our students every day, and we're, like, pouring into their life and discipling them. And then we'd go do these trips. And so we, uh, we had this trip planned. We're about to head out of town. It's like a Thursday. We're going to leave on Friday, go do some ministry. And one of our students, who oftentimes didn't follow through with things that he was supposed to, calls me, and I'm in Sam's, Sam's Club, and I'm picking up some stuff for our trip. And he calls me, and he's like, hey, I didn't, I wasn't able to get my stuff taken care of, so we're not going to have it. And I was like, pressure, perfection. So I'm frustrated about that. I'm thinking about our trip. I've got all this stuff on the line. I mean, this is like way back. I was pretty young. I thought I could have handled it. And I'm in line, and they used to have these things called checkbooks. And it has a, it's like a piece of paper, and you write, it's kind of like a debit card, but you write it out. And so, I wrote this check to the person at Sam's. They told me the amount. I'm writing it down, and then I noticed that my handwriting is getting kind of a little crazy, and my chest is kind of hurting, and everything seems to kind of be spinning around, and the lady looks at me, and she's like, are you okay? And I was like, ah, and the next thing I know, I'm sitting over in the cafe with these, like, four employees, like, kind of freaking out, looking at me, and I'm like, what happened? And she said, well, I don't know. You're just shaking really bad. I was like, yeah, I don't know what's happening, and I just had all this anxiety, and eventually I what is happening? Am I, am, I, am I about to die? I thought I was going to die. Has, has this ever happened to anybody? They call this a panic attack or an anxiety attack. I was freaking out because everything was not going the way that Josh Brown had planned it. Fear. Fear put me there. The fear of control, the fear of having everything exactly the way I wanted it. Fear that I wouldn't look a certain way, that I wouldn't, that I wouldn't be well put together, that I didn't have everything together. Because this, for me, is a, a value. I want to make sure that people admire me for my hard work and my excellence. I want to have it all together. And all these situations were going to make me, quote, unquote, look bad. And you know what that's called? That's called the fear of man. That's called being driven by the wrong things. 
And I'm speaking about these things because these are the, these are the fears, these are the pressures, these are the, the perfectionism, the people, all, all this kind of stuff. That's the stuff that piles on me. Anxiety will do a couple of things to you. First thing it will do is it will disrupt your peace. I just need more peace. I can't quit. Disrupt your peace. Another thing anxiety will do is anxiety will, will lead to depression. I've, I've dealt with this. I'm probably going to get into this a little bit more on the series. But uh, what we find in, in stats and statistics show us that 60% of people that deal with depression also deal with anxiety. Usually those two things just kind of go hand in hand. They're like two sides of the same coin. Anxiety can lead to depression. Anxiety will hinder the work of the word. The work of the word. So we talk about the word of God. Word of God is powerful. It will not return void. Right? Once the word goes out, nothing, nothing can stop the word of God. But check this out. What Jesus says in Matthew chapter 13. In fact, the parable of the sower and the seed shows us that even though the word of God is incorruptible, if it goes into a place that cannot receive it, it will not bear fruit. So it won't do what it was purposed to do. Mm. Matthew 13, 28, 22. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life, the worries of this life choke it out. And the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. See, some of you don't need another word because you've got a good word. You need to start trusting the word that you have. You need to start having faith in what God already said. You need to stop worrying about the word and let the word do its work in your life. But, beloved, if you are carrying around worry, if you are always, quote, unquote, concerned, because that's a more spiritual word, I'm, I'm not worried, I'm just concerned. Well, Jesus said the concerns of life, the worries of this life are keeping the word of God from being fruitful. You're like, well, I know God said it, but why isn't it happening? Do you have worry in your life? Do you have anxiety in your life? Do you have fear in your life? Maybe that is hindering the work of the Lord, the work of the word, anxiety. The second kind of fear is very much the product of anxiety. I'd say as, as anxiety grows, it becomes obsessive. And that would be like an obsessive fear. So it limits your ability to do what you know that you're supposed to do. Right? So followers of Christ won't share Jesus. I won't talk to my coworkers. I won't talk to my neighbors. I won't talk to my friends about Jesus because I'm afraid they'll reject me. What's happening? You have allowed fear to control your life. Uh, people won't respond to the ministry time. We have ministry time at the end, and people are like, oh, no, I should go up, but I really don't want to because they're afraid it won't stick. Because they're afraid that their life won't be changed. Because they're afraid that God might not do it for them. So they don't ever pray that they get healed. Because they're afraid it won't happen. We have people that won't tithe. Because they're afraid that God won't take care of them. Because they, they're afraid that, that, that God won't take care of their 90%. They would rather live off 100% cursed than 90% blessed. 
I preach are always talking about money. Not always, every once in a while. I'm afraid that God won't take care of us. We, we'll, we'll go to a restaurant, we'll eat, and we'll, we'll, we'll go real skinny on the, on the tip, won't we? Oh let's, oh, let's see those options, 10, 15, 20. Oh, do the 10. Apparently, you never waited tables before. Wasn't very good service today. I can't afford it. Well, you shouldn't have went out to eat. Fear says if I hit 20, I might not be able to have my caramel macchiato in the morning. All right? That $5 probably means a lot more to that person than it does to you. But you've allowed fear to control you because you're afraid if you're generous that God won't take care of you. Obsessive fear. So what does God say about fear? This, this verse is being preached all over America today. First, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1. Now, Timothy is a spiritual son of the Apostle Paul. He's a young pastor. He's just taken over a church. And they're in relationship. They're in connection. And the church is in crazy persecution. I mean, the church is experiencing miracles, signs, miracles, wonders. I mean, the church is like doing well. It's growing every day. But also Christians are dying every single day because they're doing what we're doing right now. Did you know, by the way, that more Christians have died a martyr's death over the last hundred years than all the time since Jesus was walking the earth? Did you know that? That martyrdom is still a very real thing. It's just we don't see it in America, you know. And so here's Peter thinking, man, not Peter, Timothy thinking, man, if we... If we continue, we might die. I mean, I might lose my, my kids. I might lose my whole family if I do what God's called me to do. I mean, there's a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety Timothy's facing. So Paul tells him, Timothy, I, I thank God for you. The God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted. Isn't that special? I remember we were weeping together. And I'll be filled with joy when we're together again. I remember your genuine faith. Now, it's important to remember that Timothy does have faith. For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. You come from a good line of faith. You got faith that's good. You got a good, strong faith in you. It's in your DNA. This is why I remind you. Because of the little bit of faith you have, it's not being exercised yet. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. Remember, Timothy? Remember when we were in that service and I put my hands on you and I say, this is your new pastor. Timothy, he's the one. Fill the Lord with your spirit and power. Remember remember that moment, Timothy? You remember what you experienced? 
Stir that up. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. Not to be timid, not to be afraid, but a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of self-discipline. So never be ashamed. What is being ashamed? Ashamed is being afraid to tell somebody something. So never be afraid to tell others about our Lord. And don't be ashamed of me, even though I'm in prison for him. With the strength God gives, you'll be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the good news. One day, Timothy, you might not be there yet. You might not be willing to suffer for the Lord yet, but one day you will be. One, one day you'll be, you'll be there. You'll, your heart will be there. So what do we learn? How do, how do we learn to deal with fear? What does God say about fear? First of all, what it says is that God has a purpose. Everybody say, God has a purpose. God has a purpose. See, fear will trap us so that we will never accomplish what we were designed for. This is, this is, what, this is what fear will rob from you. It'll, it'll get you into your insecurity. It will get you into that, that place of comfort and say, you know what? If I do that, I'll fail. What is it? That's the fear talking to keep you from doing what God called you to do. So he tells Timothy, listen, what I need you to do, Timothy, is I need you to remember back when we prayed and I set you apart for the ministry. I need you to remember what you're here for. I need you to remember that you have a purpose. Listen, beloved, if your lungs have breath, your life has purpose. If you are alive, it's because God has a purpose for you. If he's done with you, You'll just go ahead and be with him. But he's not done with you. Look at your neighbor and say, he's not done with you. Look at your other neighbor and say, he's not done with you. God is not done with you because you have breath in your lungs. You have a purpose. You were designed for something. Don't allow fear to rob you of that purpose. And let me suggest this to you today. That if it doesn't require courage, it's not God. I'm gonna, I can do this. I, great. I'm glad you can do that. But what will require faith? I just can't afford. What would require faith? I just don't have it. What would require faith? I'm just not get. What would it require faith? The good thing about God having a purpose for us is that it keeps us protected. And the other thing is that we can understand that whenever we are living with purpose, that God will always repurpose the drama. See, God always repurposes the drama. This whole COVID-19 thing, God will repurpose the drama. He will repurpose the drama. We know this. Romans 8, 28. We know this, and we, we love to quote this verse. Hang with me. We know this, that God causes everything, all of it. He causes all of it to work together for the good of those who love God 
Everything happens for a reason. Hold up. Don't use that verse for this. That verse says this. Those that love God and those who have been called according to his purpose. How many of you got breath in your lungs? You're called according to his purposes. He'll work everything together. Together, those that love him. I'm in, God. And those that are called according to his purpose. Those are their credentials for everything happening for a reason. Oh. And I'm about to give you the reason. For God knew his people in advance. Don't miss verse 29. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son. Your primary purpose is to look like Jesus. That's your purpose. So everything that's thrown at your life will make you look more like Jesus if you love him and you're called according to his purpose. So anything that bad happens, you don't need to go, God, why is this happening? You need to say, Lord, make me look more like Jesus in this moment. And then he gives us the power to do it. So God has a purpose. Number two, we'll talk about power in just a moment, is that fear is not of God. God did not give you a spirit of fear. Fear is not of God. Fear is never, ever of God. Never. Well, brother, wisdom. I understand. You need to have wisdom. Please, wash your hands. Please. Don't cough on me. Please. Use some wisdom. That's wisdom. But how is your wisdom driven? I'm af- if, you, if I shake your hand, I'm afraid I might get sick. Maybe it should be, maybe I'm sick and I don't want to get you sick. Maybe that needs to be the way it's driven. Do you see? Listen, to live in fear is to live in disobedience to God. To live in fear is to live in disobedience to God. Ouch. That hurts Josh Brown. But what we've done in our culture is that we've affirmed fear. We've diagnosed fear. We've medicated fear. We've tried to cope with our fear. We self-medicated our fears. We've justified our fear. Beloved, stop giving fear permission. There's no room in your life. It's not welcome here. So when you start being afraid, just go, you're not welcome here. You're not welcome here. Get out of my life. Number three, he gives us power. Everybody say power. Right? If you have a purpose, you got to have power to fulfill that purpose. So guess what the Lord does? He gives you the power to fulfill your purpose. Right? He gives us power. Supernatural ability. Not natural ability. Not gifts and talents. No, power. Something that's, that's beyond. Something that you didn't have before. Come on. Reminded of Acts chapter 2. Right? Acts chapter 1 verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then Acts chapter 2 verse 4, they received power. The church grew, advanced, it blew up. Listen, he gives you the power to be his witness. He gives you the power to look like Jesus. He gives you the power to have a testimony. He gives you the power. Listen, he gives us the power right now in the dark age that that our world is facing. He gives us the power to become a light in a very dark place. He gives us the power to speak 
the word of the Lord. He gives us the power to move forward and courage to live our life, to do what God's called us to do. He gives us the power to do that. Not because of what the news is saying, but because of the spirit of God that resides in me. This will, this will testify. This is how God will work it. This will testify to our hopeless world. Our world needs hope. That's why we're meeting today. Because we need to continue. And maybe it felt like the game was over. You remember playing those video games? Hit A to continue. Hit A, baby, to continue. Hit A to continue. Insert coin heaven's coin to continue, right? Just just put your coin in. Come on, Lord, fill me up. I need to continue. That's why we're here today. We're not rebuking anybody for not being here today, but that's why we're continuing because that's what we do. We move on. We just keep moving. Number four, he loves us. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and love. 1 John 4, 17, there is no fear in love. No fear. How much fear in love? None. No fear in love, but perfect love casts. Everybody say casts. Perfect love casts out all fear. Now, specifically, 1 John chapter 4, let me help you. You might not know this. It's really not a blanket statement, which is what we've done with it. Really what he's speaking of, he's talking about the fear that has to do with punishment from judgment. He's basically saying you don't have to worry about the judgment of God because you're in him. You have the perfect love. I'm going to share with you in just a moment that fear alone, that that love alone is not enough to overcome fear. And some of y'all are like, whoa, hold on. We'll get to it. But he does love us. Check this out. 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all, how many? All of them, all your anxieties, cares, worries on him because he cares for you. Because Jesus has really big shoulders. (laughs) Come on. And he loves us so much, he goes, I can carry that. He cares for you. And he wants to carry the thing that's weighing you down. Why are you carrying it? You need to quit carrying it. You need to let Jesus carry it. Well, how do you do that? Cast all your cares on him. Because he cares for you. Because he loves you. He's really that into you. (laughs) Right? Come on. Number five, he promises a sound mind. A sound mind. Now, what we read is it says this, the word self-discipline. Some translations say self-discipline. Some say sound mind, which is it? Yes. The discipline to have a sound mind. The discipline to be able to have, the Greek word is this, to have a clear head. You ever have that where you're cloudy? Where you don't have sober judgment? You're just kind of like, well, I don't really know. I probably shouldn't make that decision right now, right? It's like a boxer gets knocked out, and he's like, I'm going to retire after this fight. And then two weeks later, he's like, I don't know what I was thinking. It's like, well, you just got knocked out. Your mind wasn't clear. It's promised that we would have a clear mind, but we've got to be self-disciplined to get a clear mind. Normally, the clear mind doesn't just come. We have the love and the power for it. So it says one of my favorite verses, one of my favorite go-tos is Psalm 4610. 
which says, be still and know that I'm God. So what we need to do is go, God, you give me a sound mind. So I'm just going to be still. I'm just going to hit pause on life. I'm just going to close out Facebook. Come on. I'm just going to turn off the news. I want to put the newspaper down if anybody still does that. I'm just going to set it all aside, and I'm going to be still. I'm going to breathe. I'm go, Lord, who are you? <laughs> who are you? See, that's the greatest question. Whatever trouble you're facing, the greatest question is what is, what is happening. The greatest question to ask or going through it is just to go, who are you, Lord? That'll really help you. Salmon. So how do we exercise faith over fear? Because it, it tweets real quick, faith over fear, faith over fear. Yes, I tweeted that too. So we know the perfect love draws out fear. What does that mean? That means love gives me the security to stand on. That means I know that I'm loved by God. I know. How does that cast out fear? Because I know a lot of people that know that. They know that God loves them, but they're fearful. Like, well, they know that. They're standing in that, but they're not overcoming their fears. They're kind of managing them. Well, perfect love casts out fear. Go away. Go away. Go away. Go away. Go. God loves me. God, it doesn't really help until you exercise the faith to overcome the fear. To move out of the fear. So it's one thing to have the love and to stand up under it. You've got to have that. And some people have some what would appear to be the faith without that. But you've got to have the love. You're standing in the love and you say, what? Now I have the faith to overcome that thing. Now I have the faith to go over it. To move on. To, to overtake that which is hindering me from what God has called me to. Ephesians 6.16 says that we take up the shield of faith, Right? Notice that the, the shield is before the armor. It's got to get through the shield before it even gets to the armor. I'm like double protected because that word shield in the old language, in the Hebrew language, is actually the root word came from the word door. So a shield was actually the size of a door that they would stand there and it would be covering their whole body, even in front of the armor. Shield provides a barrier before it even gets to your armor. You got to put your faith forward. You got to stand behind your faith. You got to get behind your faith. Some some people have studied out this shield and said that you know what they were those shields were actually covered in leather. And before they went out to war, they would soak that leather in water. They would put that over that shield. And whenever they would shoot those fiery darts, as soon as it hit that leather, leather it would extinguish the fiery darts. So the enemy's shooting all that stuff. You just say, you know what? I have faith to stand. I'm standing. I'm rooted in the love of God. And my faith is forward. You're not welcome here. You're not welcome here. So how do we cast our cares on the Lord? How do we do it? Psalm 55, 22 says it again right here. Cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be forsaken. Don't you love that? Right now, that's a good verse for you to memorize. Cast your, when someone's worried, what are we going to do? Just cast your cares on the Lord. He will sustain you. Sustain you. He, he never lets his righteous be forsaken. He never lets his kids be forsaken. Just trust the Lord. Well, how do you do that? Because that's hard, right? It's easy to preach, hard to do. Well, first of all, you got to change your thinking. We call that repentance. We're going to spell the word cast. 
Yeah, for you, not for me. We're going to spell the word cast. Number one, letter C. Change your thinking. You repent. Oh, repent doesn't mean just turning from your sin. Repent means change your thinking. Once you change your thinking, you'll stop sinning. And so you've got to treat your doubt, fear, and unbelief as a sin. And some of you have it. No, I'll just have a hard time with that. Doubt, fear, and unbelief. Now listen, when we talk about it being a sin, we're not saying it's a sin of commission, a sin that you commit. No, no, no. It's a sin of omission. It's something that you failed to do. Because, see, fear is failure to trust. That's what fear is. Fear is just a failure to trust. So if I'm not trusting the Lord, then I'm living in sin. So you got to repent. Repent of the fear. Lord, I'm sorry. I didn't trust you. Just, and just, I love it. Because just like every act of disobedience. Because, man, I, I, I struggle with this at times. But just like every act of disobedience, God gives us the grace to so you just say, Lord, I believe, but you got to help my unbelief. He's like, all right, I'll help you. I'll help you. Listen, he will not coddle. He will not cater to our fears. He will rebuke them. He rebukes your fear. That's why he says it over and over again, fear not. Not just an encouraging T-shirt. It's a command. The same as love your, the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Number two, ask God about it. This is straight up from Paul's Twitter account. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. I mean, you can go home. That's so good. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything, Philippians 4, 6. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done then. After you do that, after you pray, after you ask God about it, after you talk to God about it, then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand, which you can look around and go, what? I don't understand. Why is this happening? God, help me understand. He's like, listen, what you need right now is not understanding. You need peace. I'll give you something that goes further than your understanding. It's called peace. His peace will guard your heart and your mind as you live in Christ. Number three is speak it. So you see, change your thinking. A, you ask God about it. S, speak to it. You like that? All right, that's good. That's good. No, thank you. Thank you. Speak to what? You speak to your fear. So Matthew chapter 21 is what we have in your notes. I want to read from you Matthew 17 instead, though. So Jesus' disciples are like healing people. You know, they're supposed to be healing people, and then they don't. And then they don't heal this boy. And they go to Jesus, and they're like, why couldn't we heal him? And he rebukes them. <laughs> he says this in verse 20. He says, you don't have enough faith. Matthew 17, 20. I'll tell you the truth. If you had faith, even the size of a small mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here and go to there to there, and it would move, nothing would be impossible. And then in Matthew 21, he says, and then you speak to that mountain, and it will be cast into the sea. Right? How much faith do you need? Mustard seed faith. That's all you need. Just a, Mustard seed's tiny. I have a bunch of them in my, just a little bit. How much do you need? 
most of us have mustard seed size problems, and we think we have to have mountain sized faith to speak to them. But that's not what the Word of God teaches us. The Word of God teaches us that we just have to have a little bit of faith and we can speak to really big mountains. And not just speak to the mountains and go, you're a bad mountain. But speak to that mountain and say, I rebuke you. Go to the sea. And Jesus said, Jesus said, not the prosperity teacher. Jesus said, if you will speak to the mountain to go, it will obey you if you will believe. Beloved, stop telling your problems how big they are. Stop telling them how much control they have over your life or how dysfunctional. Start speaking to your problems and say, my God is big. And I speak to you. And I rebuke you to be gone from my life. Speak to it. Speak to the issues. Remember Jesus, Matthew 28. I'm just going to preach here. Remember, remember Jesus, Matthew chapter 28. The, he's, he's in the boat. Some of you are like, yeah, you already are. Please hurry. I'm going to. I'm almost done. Jesus is with his disciples. They don't realize that Jesus is with them. He's in the boat, bottom of the boat. There's a storm, right? They're all freaking out, especially Peter, like always. And he's like, they're, they're like, Lord, there's a storm outside. It's like, Jesus wakes up. He's like, you ain't telling me nothing. And he tells him, why, have you, why, why do you have such a little faith? Notice that Jesus was expecting the impossible from these disciples. Do you know that God will expect the impossible from your life? So he tells them, why? Why you, first of all, why are you freaking out? This is how it's done. And he speaks to the storm. Peace, be still. And then he just encourages the disciples. Believe and don't doubt. Believe and don't doubt. Believe and don't doubt. So you don't need more faith. You just need to use the faith. That you have. You just need to use the faith that you have. And stop talking about your problems and start talking to them. <laughs> oh, my problems. No wonder everybody hid you on Facebook. All you ever do is complain about your problems. Nobody ever talks to me. It's because they hid you. Because you got, they got sick of your drama. And one of them was your pastor. And he loves you. But he'd been trying to teach you for like two years. You just don't listen. All right. That might be true in some cases. I do the 30-day thing. Okay. All right. Number one, change your thinking. Number two, ask God about it. Number three, speak to it. And number four is this. Throw it on Jesus. Just throw it on the Lord. Cast it on the Lord. Lord, I don't know. You got those big old shoulders. You love me so much. You take good care of me. Jesus, here it is. I give you my trouble, Lord. I change my thinking. Fear is not welcome here. I'm asking you, God. I'm thanking you, God. I'm believing you, God. I'm speaking to the issues. No, you're not welcome here. Be gone. Leave my life. And I'm just throwing it on the Lord. Lord, here you go. Here you go, Lord. You're not, 
You're not just worthy of all the great stuff in my life, Lord. You're also worthy of my troubles. I can't deal with it. He's like, great. I knew you couldn't. Finally, you're realizing that I'm the only one. Will you stand with me? Some of you today, I just want you to physically, we're just going to close our eyes all across the room. Some of you today, you just need to make that physical act of just tossing it off your shoulders and putting it on Jesus and just say, Lord, I trust you with it.